You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Essential Apple Podcast, a show where we cover the last seven to ten days in the world of Apple news, reviews, rumors, roundup, gossip, tech, and, well, basically, anything else that catches our eye. This is the Essential Apple Podcast. And joining me this week, in week two of my signboard working, we have a new guest. He's from the Slack room. It's Ivor. How are you doing today, sir? Excellent. Thank you very much for having me on. No, it's it's been grand because our, our Slack room is developing into quite the um, how can I put it the eclectic community. I think we were discussing the merits and uh, benefits of selected red wines from the five pound to seven ninety nine range on Friday, uh, and also should Guinness be served in a Guinness glass or a fancy posh glass? So, yeah. How anyway? How has your weekend been? I will guarantee it's been better than mine. What have you been up to recently? Mine has just been a little bit of pottering around the house. We have just moved into a new house in, um, I think it's back in November. Uh, first time we bought a house together, me and my girlfriend. So we're just doing the odd jobs around the house to to get it up to scratch. Just tell everyone a little bit about what sort of Apple stuff that you have. Uh, why and how did you get into the world of Apple? What made you go for the Cupertino stuff rather than you know, ANPC? I uh, started a while back, I can't remember what year it was, but I was working for BAE Systems and I had a friend over there who had the, uh, I think it was the 3G iPhone. And first time I'd ever seen one and just so happens uh, another one of our little group there had a, a white 3G for sale. So um, I bought that second hand off him and well, it's just gone a little bit crazy. I'm now on a MacBook Pro. I've got the iPad Pro next to me. Um, I didn't know whether to mention it, but I did have a pair of, well, I do have a pair of uh, AirPods. (laughs) So, so subject. (laughs) But, um, you know, Apple TVs, there's two of those in the house and pretty much everything I I own is Apple because it it just generally suits me and and it's just fantastic. Um, Just a little bit about myself. So my name is Ivor. I am originally from Bristol. I left there at 23 to join the Air Force and since then i've never really gone back to live in bristol just been traveling around with work um presently working for a company called hybrid air vehicles i'm a production supervisor on the floor uh sorting out things to build this um this 306 foot airship that we're trying to get out the door in the next couple of weeks oh cool yeah it's a bit bizarre but it's uh it's it's great fun excellent excellent Oh, the AirPods. We are coming on to that very, very shortly. Uh, cheers for that, Ivan. And also joining me this week is regular cohort. It's Simon, who has been on the beta quest this week. How has your week been, Simon? What are, What's gotten on in your world, in the world of Apple? Uh, well, yes, there was yet another beta. Uh, in fact, I jumped straight from five to seven. They're now coming out so quickly that I didn't even get a chance to install six. So uh, that would kind of indicate, I guess, that it's uh, not going to be long before they hit the uh, public release. I've got to head and store the latest beta for iOS because, again, this is coming up of my fabled 
one of my lovely, lovely stories about a trip to my Apple store. What about you, Ivor? Do you sort of go with the beaters or do you sort of, yeah, let, let everyone else take the flack first and I'll, um, I'll join on when everything's been fixed? I've always uh, taken a bit of a punt and a bit of a risk on installing the burly, uh, the betas quite early on. Around about the second or third, I'll take a risk as to having a slightly dodgy phone for the for the next features. To, I just can't wait until the September October release. The well, what's the March event? The March event is normally sort of has a little bit of surprise, but that's been strangely quiet. I wonder if that's because they're fixing the blinking AirPods. Oh, so you've actually yeah. had no problem with your AirPods at all. I, I can't let this thing drop now. So your AirPods have worked. Yeah, I generally, um, I, I, I walk my dogs every evening and it's been fantastic for that. When I put them in, sometimes I do get a slightly out of sync. It takes about a second for them to sync up again and uh, everything's fantastic. I still am a little bit uh, struggling with the lack of controls, I must admit, because I, I'm quite used to having the inline controls and, and controlling everything that way. The the AirPods, I'm finding that every time I try and readjust them, Siri kicks off. I don't need Siri while I'm out on the dog walk. And I just wish there was something that could just skip forward 30 seconds on a podcast. You know, when it comes to some of the adverts that I've heard repeatedly, I just want to skip through and uh, and carry on. You can go, I, I know with music, you can say a hoi hoi telephone, skip 30 seconds or two minutes. Uh, but it's like I said in last week's show, if you're listening to music and it's on shuffle, it soon gets very boring very quickly to say a hoi hoi telephone, skip this track over and over. Are you, uh, so are you running an iPhone 7 or an iPhone 6S? I'm on the 6S Plus at the moment. Oh, no, that's interesting, because I'm on the 6S, and that's the one I've been having all the problems with. Hmm. Uh, you know that in the, uh, in the AirPods, you can set it to either use Siri when you slap the side of your head, or you can do play pause when you slap the side of the head. I always feel like if you've ever been in a library and you're talking a little bit too loud and you get someone with a, you know, with a finger wagging it and tapping their ears, as if to go, hmm. Or you feel a bit rude that you're when someone's talking to you and you've got an AirPod in, you have to like tap the side of your head, or is that just me? Well, for me, it's uh, because I'm out on a dog walk and the wind's in my ear. Every time I try and start Siri, it's it's fifty fifty as it's whether it's going to pick up the voice. And uh, I generally what I tend to do is have um, phone in my pocket, orientated the same way, so that if I want to raise or volume um, raise or lower the volume, if cars are coming past, for example. I do most of the controls through that. And also, I do have one of the aluminium sport um, Apple Watches. So I tend to have the, the play, pause and skip on that when I when I remember that I've got that on my wrist. You know what? That's very, very interesting. Cause I've, it's the same thing I've got. Uh, that's the same thing I do, sorry. And it was only last week when I was out. And my, obviously, I've got my iPhone in my back pocket. And I completely forgot about what I could do on the Apple Watch. And then all of a sudden, I had that revelation, like you just said, about, oh, you can control things from your Apple Watch, and away you go. It's a very weird ecosystem now, isn't it? Because you, it's almost like all the devices are becoming divided up between each other to do make things a little bit easier when you remember that they're there. Yeah, it's almost a little bit of information overload at times, isn't it? Yeah, because you've got to remember this gesture for this and on the phone. Um, oh, So what is it? On the iPhone, you double tap to get the home screen up, but you swipe up from the bottom of the watch or it, 
it's almost there. It's almost uniform, if I knew what I was trying to say. But uh, yeah, there we are. Right, let's go into the show notes then. What have we got this week? What's at the top? Oh, look at that. It's me and my AirPod rant. Well, funny that. Now, chaps, have any of you two been into an Apple store, had a genius appointment and come out without feeling like you've just been dragged through the tar pits of hell? You might want to make a brew, get a beer and sit back. This may last a few minutes. So, listeners, if you've been listening to the show, you know I've had a little bit of a problem with my AirPods. As in, you can be... If I'm listening to music... Not a problem. Although when you double tap the side of your head to do start play, there is a huge amount of lag and you're never quite sure if it's registered to taps or not. Anyway, listening to stuff, fine. Making a phone call, well, that's just pretty much useless because it will drop the connection between the AirPods and the iPhone 6 whenever it feels like it. So, cue 30 minutes on the the phone to Apple to be told I need to go into an Apple store. Queue another 30 minutes a week later, knowing that I'm going to go to Cardiff to go to an Apple store with an engineer on the, on the chat support thing, going through everything I've done to book an appointment. Now, as well as this, my friend's got an iPad Pro and hers won't back up to iCloud whatsoever. It gets to 1.56 gigabytes and then says unable to complete. Right. Queue another 35 minutes on a chat support thing with Apple. So now we're racking up here an hour of two different conversations with Apple to range to go into the Apple store. Brilliant. Lovely jubbly. 1.20 on Saturday. I've been up since six o'clock at this point and I'm feeling, yeah, I'm feeling okay. I'm feeling mellow. I'm there and, you know, the staff are quite friendly. We get called over, we sit down, and he asks me all the same questions I've just written down into the chat support thing um, that they obviously get to read as part of the appointment. So again, I've had to repeat exactly what I've done. And everything is, have you done this? Yes. Have you done this? Yes. Have you done this? Yes. Reset your phone, reset your network settings. I've even format, you know, done a complete hard reset of the phone. Oh, I'll be back in a few minutes. 10 minutes later, he comes back, does another test. Oh, I'll be back in a few more minutes. And another 10 minutes pass. And I'm thinking, oh, you yeah, know, I don't care. This is being sorted. Now, my friend's appointment was at 1.40. So by this time, she's been called over on the iPad Pro. And lo and behold, she's having the same issue I have. No matter what I've written in the support log, they're ignoring it and going through everything over and over again. But I'll come back to that in a minute. So the guy comes back with my AirPods and decides to give me a phone call. So this has been about half an hour now. And I said, oh, have you got any AirPods in stock? Yeah, we said, we've got two. For the entire flagship store in Wales, they only have two AirPods. And incidentally, I didn't see anybody walking around with them because you do look a bit weird with them New Year's. So he then calls me. And it's that situation of when you want something to fail, it doesn't. The AirPods were absolutely flawless. And then it happened. The magic happened and they dropped the call. Oh, okay. I'll be back in a few minutes. And he comes back and you can just see he's looking at this troubleshooting basic guide. And and I turned around and spoke to the other woman who's behind the genius bar. And she said, yeah, um, we've not really had much in the way of information about AirPods or experience with them. Oh, joy. We're now racking on for 40 minutes. I literally, all I want now is another set of AirPods, but we're still persisting with more testing. 
But I've noticed that he's not connected them up properly because when you connect them, um, if I'm right, Ivor, you get the little headphone uh, icon in the top. But mine weren't connecting that. He was just doing a Bogo standard Bluetooth connection. So then I had to point out to him that when you connect your AirPods, you see the headphones there. And I'm thinking I'm sort of starting to tell you what your job is. We're now at an hour. And finally, I get a new set of AirPods as the guy pretty much gives up the the will to live to try and troubleshoot it. And that's that. So that's not too bad. However, but remind me to come back of what happened when I got home in a bit. So back to my friend with the iPad. Well, funnily enough, it's taken about 30 minutes now because I had a 20 minute head start for them to get up to the point that I'd already got up to, already typed up to the fact that iCloud backups weren't working. So the genius at the bar, who was very nice, very pleasurable, said, right, ah, right. Um, It looks like it's a problem with iCloud. There's nothing we can do in store here. Let me schedule a call with a genius on a uh, technical support person. Okay. Now, I was under the impression that if, you've already, if you're speaking to a genius and they say, right, I'm going to get an engineer to call you back, you kind of think it's going to be a senior engineer. Someone is like you know, the next level up, the person who's going to be able to go into iCloud, tick a button, press a box, make something blow up. So a backup can happen. So we've been here. So bearing in mind, my friend's been here for the same amount of time I have. We're knocking on for that now. So that was 40 minutes gone. Okay, right. So we wander over to the side of the store because, yeah, the engineer's going to call us in five minutes. Brilliant. But we can't go too far because we're in the Apple store. And I know if we leave the store, we're going to have to come back. The phone rings. Hi, this is so-and-so from Apple Technical Support. We go through all the ID and all the questions, and guess what? We're back to square one. What is the problem that you're having? Have you tried this? Have you tried that? So all this genius has done is pretty much put me right back to the, it's like 20, 10 core Apple supports, 20 go to store, 30 go to 10. So we're having to go through this entire conversation again. And for some reason, just because of Sod's law, the phone signal dies, as in the calls drops. And it's not on my end because I've got four bars of signal, which is quite good considering Apple Store is basically a Faraday gauge. It drops. Thankfully, we get a call back. Unfortunately, this had been 15 minutes. So the Apple engineer calls us back. We're then on hold for another five, six minutes. And then we get, all right, okay, uh, there's nothing more I can do here. Let me transfer your call. Brilliant. You think the end is nigh. You think you're going to be there. We then go through to a senior analyst. Who? And guess what? Asks me all the same questions again. And I'm trying to say, let me stop you here. Let me run through everything I've done to make a verbatim. Another 20 minutes of my life pass. He then says, "Ah, oh, right, I can see what the problem is here. It's your IK backup. Now, what we've deduced at this point is by getting another device, wiping it, logging into that device with the same iCloud's uh, ID, we were trying to restore a backup which sort of exists in iCloud but doesn't. So there's a backup of an iPad Pro in iCloud, but you can't restore from it. So basically that backup needs to be gotten rid of. He agrees with me. Finally. Okay, I'm going to put you on hold. I'll be back in a few minutes. 
Seven minutes of being on hold later, beep, 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 core failed. Whatever happened, the core had failed. We're now knocking on for two hours in the Apple store to be no further forward. So I come up with an idea. Let's get the iPad Pro. Let's create a new iCloud account and see if that backs up. And lo and behold, the backup works. Brilliant. Okay. So there's something wrong with the backup on the iCloud account. Now, the problem is you're in an Apple store surrounded by Apple geniuses. I went and found yet another genius to go in and fix this problem. Oh, uh, we can't. We can't delete backups on iCloud here. I said, okay, well, that's fine. You can't do it. Call the person who can. Um, yeah, we don't. We can't. We have no mechanism to do that. Sorry? You're telling me that there is no one you can call to delete a backup that is failed in the system. No. <sighs> Five more minutes pass of me having a little bit of a polite vent to say, is this really what you call uh, an experience? The result, the genius basically said, all we can say to you at this point in time, sir, is back up your iPad manually. So, and her solution for this was, you could email your photos to yourself and email any other documents to yourself. You can start to feel the exasperation in my voice thinking, is that really all you've got to offer? Bearing in mind, I'm in a place surrounded with Macs and all that sort of stuff. So the upshot is, after two and a bit hours, we leave there with an iPad that still can't back up to the cloud and my AirPods. So you think, okay, the AirPods, right, let's go back to that. I get home last night thinking, right, I'm going to make a phone call. However, can I get the AirPods to sync with my iPhone 6? Can I? Heck, I can get the left one to sync up. I can get the right one to sync up. Now you think, okay, you've got left and right. Yeah, no, 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 no. You can only use left or right. You can't use them together. So there's some, there's some point of my trip. I basically left there in no better situation than I am and an iPad that still can't back up and three missed, and two dropped, three dropped cores. And you just think, where is this experience? You know, where is this ownership to say, oh, you know what? I can see you've been here for two hours. Let me take ownership of this and get you through this. And there was nothing like that at all. And I said, what have I actually accomplished by being here? And they went, oh, yeah, we can see that you're frustrated. However, we recommend that you do this. And, you know, this may or may not work. And then they say, oh, and if this doesn't work, it looks like it's going to be an iPad problem. You'll have to bring it back in. <sighs> Great. So you can see why when I got back into the Slack chat room last night, I wasn't the happiest bunny to go there and basically be put into a loop of call them, go to a store. You get a phone call from them to tell you to go back to the store. You go to the store and the store said there's nothing they can do. Ah, so Apple, and I'm going to play this. I forgot about this clip, actually. You have failed me for the last time. I really doubt if I'm ever going to go back to an Apple store unless it's unless I can get someone on the phone to say, right, we're going to replace your hardware. That will be it for me and trying to go for geniuses. Yeah, sorry about taking up so much of your time there. Anyone, um, yeah, any thoughts? Has anyone had any similar customer experiences like this or has it just been me? Oh, well, I have to say that the 
the part of that story, I mean, I can sympathise because the whole repeating everything over and over again is just apparently endemic. I mean, of late, I've had to go to the hospital uh, once for myself, uh, relatively recently when I hurt my knee, and also with my boy who's got a, a problem with abdominal pain. And you talk to 111, they ask you the questions. They send you to out of hours surgery, they ask you the questions. They say you should go to A&E. The triage ask you the questions. You know what I mean? And you just think, doesn't anybody pass a note to the next person in the chain? And even when the doctor actually sent me with my boy to the hospital, she wrote a note and gave it to me and said, give this to triage. And as far as I can see, they didn't even bother to read it. They just threw it in the bin and <laughs> asked all the same questions all over again. And I have to admit, when I've been on the on the phone to Apple, um, yeah, like the the other week when I was having trouble with my uh, with my iCloud. Oh God, my, uh, you're doomed! Anything with iCloud, you might as well just give up. Go and get a new iCloud account well, and start they again. Did, they did fix it. To be fair, the woman did fix it. But yeah, I did have to go through the kind of loop about three times before she actually grasped what was going on. But that's another matter. But the the bit that you just said that really made me cringe was the thing about or manually backing up. Well you could email your pictures. What the hell is wrong with plugging it into iTunes? Oh there's a there's a oh now the reason that won't work is because when we bought the iPad Pro to mine, you plug it in and thought, right, I'll do a backup, I'll you know, do all that. Now I've got over six hundred gigabytes free. This iPad only has thirty-three gig in use of 128 gig, and when you plug it in, my Mac seems to go, not enough disk space. <laughs> do what? What? Yeah, okay. The only other thing I can recommend to you and anybody else who has a, some sort of uh, similar problem with an iOS device is iMazing. Go and get iMazing, which yeah, gives you – it's a brilliant piece of kit. It's not very much money, is it, either? I can't uh, remember how much it is, but it's, 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 not, it's not silly money. Um, and you can use that to access – your iOS device to access the file structure and to manually copy off all or part chunks of the information. It's a brilliant tool and well worth the money. What sort of purposes do you use that for, Ivor? Do you just like to generally have a browse or do you um, try and uh, pull off files off there? What's your use case for it? I uh, downloaded it when I was going from, I think, an old iPad to a newer iPad, I was trying to, I think it was saving the um, Minecraft maps that myself and my daughter had uh, produced. And rather than lose them from from uh, iPad to iPad, I pulled off just the maps, loaded up on the new iPad, and then just sort of inserted the maps into the right place again. And it was it was fantastic for that. I might have a look at that. That seems, but the thing is, it it just all it's a very good idea, but it all just feels like a hack. And yeah, when you've got when you're in a genius bar and the genius recognises that it's a problem with iCloud, 
And yet you still have to go through all of this workaround because apparently there's nothing they can do. And when you do get to speak to someone, the bloody phone hangs up on you. Uh, it, it it just, oh. And oh, I'm, I'm still just sorry. I'm just so still annoyed that there was a genius there and she basically went, oh, there's nothing more I can do. I can schedule a callback for you. And then we end up back at step one. That's, as Peter Griffin would say, that's really ground my gears or grind my gears. <laughs> I, I had an amazing experience with a, a very well-known telecoms company um, with respect to my move. And, you know, um, all my life, I've only ever had, I think, a maximum of a four meg connection. So the first thing you do when you move into a new place is is look up online and find out what you're likely to yep. get. So 50 meg broadband, well, obviously I can't wait for that. So um, that, that was part and parcel of my house choice, in fact. So... Um, <laughs> <laughs> I rang them up and sat on the phone for 15 minutes with this chap who was so helpful, absolutely incredibly helpful. And he set me up with a new package, which was due to start, I say, for example, I don't know, 7th of November. Um, and then he said, expect an email with all of the kit, your um, BT Home Hub will turn up through the door. And it came to about two days before and I hadn't had any uh, email saying that this was the case. So I rang up and... Um, they said, uh, no, no, we can see your cancellation from the last house, but there's there's nothing set up. I was like, it's incredible. So rather than get angry on the phone, I said, look, let's let's sort it out now. So I'd already negotiated a really good price, decided to go in as a new new user on his request to save me a bit of money and waive some of the, uh, you know, the, the charges. And um, they said, right, so... I was expecting another twenty seven ninety nine a month or something like that. And he said, right, what we can do for you is we can have you connected in two weeks, bearing in mind it was due two days later, uh, for £35 a month. What, does that sound good? I said, well, no, because, you know, about a week or two ago, I was on the phone and they were offering me £27 a month. And we're really close to the connection day. Anyway, uh, there was nothing they could do about the the connection date, what they did do is go back through their records and try and find the, the the recording of our call to confirm that we had made those arrangements. And it, the chap on the end of the phone decided that the best course of action was to raise a complaint on the system. So after the event of getting connected and having this fantastic broadband for the first time ever, I had a phone call from a manager and he said, uh, right, uh, you know, we've, we've got you connected and apologize for all this, uh, this, this mess up. Um, am I okay to close the, the um, complaint today? I said, yep, yeah, that's fantastic. The, the next five minutes on the phone were the most amazing, most amazing phone experience with a, well, with a professional I've ever had. He didn't have an inner monologue. Everything he said and was doing on his computer, he was relaying to me. And it was it was amazing. He was saying, right, okay, so uh, let's go to this screen. Uh, no, no, sorry, not not that screen. No, I, oh God, I, do, I do this every time. I always go into that screen. Obviously, Janet normally does this for me. So anyway, let's let's call up your, your oh, sorry, um, sorry, I've forgotten your name. And this went on for, for about five, ten minutes. He was just bumbling his way through. I, I've never heard anything like it. It was, it was so unprofessional. I mean, if he was having troubles on the end of the line, all he has to do is just put me on hold for five minutes while he sorts everything out. But oh, it was just incredible. Ultimately, he got me sorted in the end. But I, I heard all of his problems um, across the line while he was trying to sort this out and what screens he should and shouldn't have gone into. It was just amazing. 
So what, basically, the, the moral of the story is here that everyone needs a Janet. I think so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he said, uh, obviously, she's on holiday. Well, <laughs> oh, yeah, obviously. Well, how <laughs> very remiss of you that you were not keep, keeping up with Janet's schedule and the rotor. I will say that, other than that, I mean, they were fantastic. And it, it, I, nobody can uh, understand how it got messed up in the first place, but the result was pretty good. And, and that was an entertaining call. Well, at least you read saying you got so I I had a similar sort of thing with Plusnet who it was all supposed to go tickety boo and you would think that it's it's the same it's the age old thing is it where you see like the road gets dug up one week and then put down for like water and then the next week it's dug up again the exact same spot for electric and then again for gas and that's exactly what happened to me with Plusnet where the guy who came round to install my order was just installing a phone line. But the other guy had to come round, who was literally his colleague, who was literally not far away, had to go and do the broadband uh, installation a week later. And fully in it, and plus that, you never called me back. You never said, oh, yeah, we'll try and give you the best value uh, fibre for nothing. So and so I'm right now, and we were just discussing this off the air, Simon and I, before we come on, I'm paying... I think it's thirty two ninety nine a month for 17... Uh, down and probably a, a dyslexic snail with asthma up. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, sub one, isn't it? Oh, Way I... sub one, in fact. And it, you're, you're, you're up is dial up. Let's face it, you're getting dial up speeds on the yep. up. And if you go to uh, if you go and look on their broadband checky thing, if I go for fibre, I can get up to one meg up, but thirty five meg down. And it's like I can see the exchange. The guy was on the top of the pole and told me it was something like two hundred and thirty six meters away. Oh, it's ah. just to let you both know that uh, and your listeners that I'm amazing too at the moment for a single user is thirty four ninety nine. The universal, which is two computers for forty five ninety nine, and then for five computers sixty four ninety nine. Brilliant! Thank you very much. We've actually put some Apple stuff into the show. Blimey, you can come again. <laughs> I'll have a. Yeah, we'll I put did a- warn you that having a proper guest on might mean that some actual sense gets talked. Well, we're gonna, well, we've been going for, blimey, half an hour now. No, yes, half an hour. We still haven't done anything uh, Apple-y like. That will be in the show notes, and we are going to be moving soon to a new podcast host, which means in your podcast player, you will be able to actually click on things instead of having to go to the website. I'll tell you what, uh, let's do something different and actually try some um, Apple news, shall we? Oh, no. <laughs> No, Why don't um, we have Nemo? let's have Nemo. Yes, we're going to put John Nemo in here. So I need to press this button here. So we're going to be back with you in a few moments and we're going to hand you over to Mr. John Nemo for Nemo's hardware store, who this week is looking at, he says, losing the page yet again. Another seamless moment. The decibel, what the heck? Decibels. Decibels. Custom molded wireless. See what they did there. Good timing, John. Bearing in mind I'm having problem with my AirPods, we're going to be... This is about the Decibels custom-molded wireless Bluetooth noise in-ear headphones. So, John, over to you. We have a guest review for this week's edition of Nemo's Hardware Store. I received this product for review and I couldn't get a good fit or a good sound. So a friend of mine named Ron agreed 
to test them. They're called the decibels, D-E-C-I-B-U-L-L-Z, decibels, custom-molded wireless earphones. The earbuds themselves are fairly straightforward, but they come with a special custom molding piece that you soften in hot water. Here's Ron's review. The decibels were evaluated over several hours during several days with a variety of musical genres and also spoken word. I did not try using them for phone calls. I compared them with the JBL J46 Bluetooth Buds, which are similar in price, which I've been using for some time. The favorable comments are the molded earpieces. This is the major distinction of this product, and it generally was a positive experience. The custom molding process for the earpieces, following the good written instructions, took about 30 minutes, not the five minutes suggested in the Amazon write-up. We will have both the Amazon link and also the link from an online business called The Gromit, T-H-E-G-R-O-M-M-E-T, who provided these earbuds for us. Ron continues, The result was a genuinely more comfortable fit, particularly over longer stretches. The decibels earpieces all seem to provide more noise isolation, not cancellation. More noise isolation than the other buds I've been using, including the JBL. The sound was fine, slightly better than the JBL. The biggest positive difference was in spoken word, and this might make them better for phone calls, which he recommends, but he didn't get a chance to try that because that was not his focus. He was more interested in music and spoken word. Some other pluses are the packaging and the instructions, which are excellent, and the box has a magnetic closure. The audible actions confirmation, meaning you get audible sound or word response for routine actions such as on, off, volume, up, down, pairing. He likes that positive spoken confirmation. And the recharging was very simple, but the time required one hour seems high, which actually I disagree with. He says the play time is three and a half hours or so, and he thinks one hour is a bit too much, but I disagree. I think that's totally reasonable. His questions are, is the custom molding worth the extra bother or cost? Would one size larger of a typical tip provide the same isolation with an improved fit? He wonders if this is pricey compared to other highly rated Bluetooth buds in the $40 to $50 range. The JBLs were also priced at $120. Also, as compared to non-Bluetooth custom molded buds from the same manufacturer, the $80 price differential seems high for Bluetooth. Well, that's a whole different conversation. And the promised playtime of three and a half hours is lower than five to six hours for many other earbuds. Well, using Apple as an example, we can accept three to four hour playback time and one hour charging time. So Ron likes these with some questions and qualifications. And these are the Decibels custom molded wireless earphones from decibels.com and also from the Amazon link in our show notes and from The Gromit. So thank you for listening. Thanks, Ron, for reviewing. And Nemo's Hardware Store will be back next week. Cheers once again, John, for another Nemo's Hardware Store. As always, you'll find all of this over on EssentialApple.com, our Twitter link, our Facebook, our social media, and, of course... There's an Amazon affiliate link where you know this bit by now. If you shop at Amazon for absolutely anything at all, including this product, you'll be helping the show as we get a very small kickback 
for whatever you purchase. Now, Simon, you've got a little bit of follow up on this. Uh, yes, I have. Uh, John asked me to uh, point out that these are available in a variety of colours. Um, you can get them from thegromit.com, uh, where they're available in black, blue or red. Uh, bizarrely, for $119.95. Uh, but if you buy them from Amazon, they're available in black, blue, orange, pink or red for $119 in the US or £109 sterling in the UK, but apparently only available in black. Bizarrely, I don't know why. Uh, I also looked up uh, to see if they did a wired set for those of us who might not want to pay out quite so much money. And uh, the wired set is available in black, blue, green, white, light blue, orange, pink, purple or red for £42 in the UK. Or in the US, you can have black, blue, green, white, orange, pink or red for anywhere between 29 to $52.66 for some reason. Uh, apparently, they charge different colours at different rates in the US. Uh, well, there you go. And just to annoy Mark, I am going to point out that I have discovered on Amazon uh, some earbuds called the R-Cool Mini Twin Wireless Bluetooth Stereo in-ear earbuds with microphone, which cost £10.98 and £1.42 shipping. And uh, those are available in gloss black, silver chrome, shiny white, metallic grey, and a rose gold pink colour. And I'm going to be ordering some metallic grey ones just to annoy the hell out of Mark. What makes this all worse is that I've just, uh, I don't know if you saw in the Slack room, I posted up a teaser video of the Sound Pete's Q12 and they work. They're $15 now. The only problem is yeah. they just look so stupid when you're wearing them. Uh, those are, yeah, those are the ones with the, they're sort of pokey outy, aren't they? Yeah. A bit Lieutenant Uhura. That's the one. That's the one. Well, I'll tell you what, um, we, we're going to be going all over the show notes here. So apologies, uh, Ivor, for this. We're going to do some. Well, I'll tell you what, let's go and do some actual Apple news for a change. Now, this one was uh, was supplied to us uh, by a guy called Ivor. A man dies while charging his iPhone in the bath. Do you want to take the story on site, um, Ivor? Yeah, be aware that this one was actually back in December. I was reading into it. but um, oh, That's fine. The media's only cottoned on to this. It's been on all the front pages. I mean, who doesn't like to hear a brilliant example of Darwinism in full effect? <laughs> okay. Right. So, uh, yeah, this is a story about a chap having a bath who decided he was running out of battery and decided to charge his uh, his phone while he was in the bath. And it seems that his, just his iPhone charger made contact with the water. Now, obviously, you'd expect the low voltage not to have that sort of effect, but I think it was the fact that he was obviously a bit further down the line, plugged into the mains rather than into a laptop or whatever that was just chucking out five volts. And um, he ended up with some pretty severe burns to his chest and arms and hands. Um, and unfortunately, by the time the paramedics got to him, he, he, he'd actually died. But just a crazy story. I mean, you know, we, it's, it's just basics, isn't it? Like you say, Darwinism, it's, um, it's just crazy to think that somebody's going to take an electronic device into the, into the bath or shower with them. 
I mean, I, I take my iPad into the shower with me, but it, sorry, my iPhone in the shower, but it's way, way, way across the other side of the room in a cup just to listen to a podcast or something like that. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I must admit, you know, at Mark knows, I take my, my iPhone, uh, you know, into the bathroom when I have a bath and, again, use it mostly to listen to, uh, a, a, you know, to a podcast or, or maybe some music. But, I mean... Really, people, there's a reason that we don't put electrical sockets in bathrooms. Um, and the problem here is, as, as I read it, is that he took a mains 13 amp extension, ran it across his landing and into his bathroom. Oh, then he plugged geez. his iPhone charger into that and had it resting on his chest. So effectively, <sighs> when it touched the water, you're quite right. He didn't get, you know, a little uh, electronic shingle from a. No, he got a full 13 amp belt, 240 volt, 13 amp discharged directly into the water. Uh, which is, that's, uh, you know, I'm sorry. I'm really I'm... sorry. It's a tragic story, but how bloody stupid can you be? It's, I mean, how addicted to social media you must be to go, you know what's a really good idea? I need to keep up on my Twitter feed by carrying a mains vault into the bath. Oh. You're right. You are right, though. I mean, it's it's nice sometimes just to sit and soak while you're watching a, a video or something. But, yeah, I would suggest that um, a, an unplugged iPad or phone would be the best option. Very much so. There was very much so. There's literally nothing more you you can say about this. Or yes, it is unfortunate that someone has passed away. Do you ever wonder though? You know, you see these these uh, movies where you know some poor soul is either being electrocuted with a normally it's a bath full of water. They chuck the toaster in to the water with the poor victim in. Do you think if the you know that's going to be it now for that sort of um, movie portrayal? Instead, they're going to like threaten you with an iPad charger to say talk, or we're going to plug in your iPad charger. <laughs> It'll be the next Taken movie, won't it? <laughs> I tried to watch Taken oh. Three again, and oh, I, w- I was just taken aback by how bad it was. Yeah, first two were okay. I needed my well, soundboard yeah, clip for that. You know, was it? What was it? You know, first it was his wife, wasn't it? And then it was his daughter. You know, Taken Three. It's personal. Now we've got your aunt's gardener. Someone's <laughs> stolen my milk money. I'm going down the rabbit hole after I go past the supermarket to get some uh, semi-skimmed. Take him four when he's on the phone explaining he has a certain lack of skills rather than... <laughs> <laughs> Take him five. The quest to restore an iCloud backup. <laughs> I don't now, know where now. it is or who steady, has it, but steady. I will find you and I will restore you. <laughs> right. I'm still mad. That uh, actually okay. means I'm still there and I still had to go in and have a phone call. Uh, anyway, right. Uh, this next story. Simon, if you want to take this one, this is from Dougie again in our chat room. And judge issues a search warrant for anyone who's Googled a victim's name. So what's this one all about, Simon? Uh, Right. Well, it is quite literally what it says. Um, a U.S. court order cast a really, really wide net. Uh, and Dougie found this one on the register. Uh, a judge in Minnesota has granted the cops a search warrant to direct Google to provide personal details about anyone who is searching for the name Tony Webster. Oh, sorry. No, for a specific name. Tony Webster, who describes himself as a web engineer, public records researcher and 
policy nerd, published a portion of the warrant out of concern that the administrative subpoena and search warrants are being used for what amounts to a fishing expedition. Under the Fourth Amendment, searches and seizures must be reasonable and as such are limited in scope to balance privacy expectations. At issue is whether a warrant for the Google account data of anyone who is searching for a given term is unconstitutionally broad. And uh, not being American, I wouldn't really know, but I suspect that the short answer to that is, yes, it bloody well is. <laughs> Isn't this and a little bit... There's not much more to say about that, is yeah, there? Really? no. <laughs> That's almost like saying you can't Google someone. I mean, how would that... I mean, how would you even go ahead in... In enforcing something like this, I mean, because normally, if a victim, if a vi- if there is a victim of a crime, then the actual court itself will keep the victim nameless. So, shouldn't that be where it's more labelled at rather than anything else? I suppose the only example I could think of is you know when that famous footballer was having an affair slash not affair slash please don't sue me, and he had a uh, a media super ban. Isn't that where it should really start instead of trying to say, oh, you know what, Google. Erase this name from everywhere. Well, I, did, I think the whole point here is that the judge is saying that the police are, you know, at liberty to go to Google and say, please give us the details of anyone and everybody who has entered this search term, obviously in this case a, a victim's name. But I believe quite rightly that under the Fourth Amendment, that would be unconstitutional because it's not limited enough. There's no just cause, is there? Well, the thing is, you hear the news, and if you want a bit of information out of that news, you generally look it up, don't you? So, therefore, yeah. you know, anybody but, that's interested in that story is actually going to be. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, potentially, yeah. you know, expecting a call on, you know, a knock on the door. I want a word with you, sir. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, there's probably no uh, doubt about it. Like Google has something like this in place already. There's bound to be some. Well, they already sell your data, so they're bound to have some sort of system where you know the authorities can go. Oh, okay, so what happened from this computer? But you don't. You never really thinking about it. You never really hear about these sort of privacy slash security battles with Google. It's always you know the the Cupertino giant that has to step into the fray to sort of bring these. Yeah, these privacy concerns to the front. Well, I'm, I'm sure Google have them all the time. The truth is they just don't make a big thing of, you know, declaring it. Talking about Google um, isn't clickbaity enough. Obviously, I don't, I don't think there's any uh, comment in that story about what Google's response to it is either. Um, but just, I think it's just been put in there because it's it's almost like outrageously bizarre, isn't it? It would be like a, I don't know, it'd be like a court in this country saying anybody who bought a copy of The Sun on the 19th of September uh, last year, you know, should be interviewed by the police because uh, the victim of a certain crime also bought a copy of The Sun on the 19th. You know, it's just, it doesn't, it doesn't have any, I don't know, what justifiable cause or, um, I don't know what you'd call it. Proportionality, does it? I think I sort of came up with the best point there that you've, if you hear about a crime, then you go and Google it to find out more like saying who shot um, Janet while she was on holiday. And yeah. you would be on that list of trying to work out what's happened to poor old Janet. Yeah, indeed. 
Oh, there right. you go. There we are. Uh, right, the next one is again from Ivor in the chat room. And this is apparently, well, the faith in wearables is being slightly restored. Ivor, do you want to take this one away for us? Yeah, apparently this is a um, collaboration between Google and Levi. Uh, it's called Project Jacquard. And it's a, a jacket with sort of sewn in electrical conductivity to allow you to uh, use uh, what's the word? Um, I forgot the word for it. <laughs> gestures, well, I, I, gestures, uh, yeah, yeah. and the gestures okay, on the left get picked up by a cufflink on your on your left sleeve, which uh, I think you remove before washing the garment. But um, again, denim jackets. I don't know how popular they are these days. I kind of like the idea of it because uh, a bit like um, Mark, I'm a, a runner and a cyclist. And it's sometimes nice to be able to not have to try and control your podcast from a tiny watch or the fact that you can't these days from a from a set of headphones, your earpods, for example. Um, and just a quick swipe across the sleeve, you know, whilst you're riding, you can be doing that one-handed nice and easily. Uh, I think is actually a, quite a nice idea, but I don't know whether there's – I mean, it seems relatively limited. I, I think until one day perhaps that you could maybe – shout out something into your your headphones and then interact as if you're writing on writing on it with your finger perhaps you could you know make notes as you as you're moving around the the place by you know letter by letter a little bit like the the scribble pad on the um on the phone and apple watch i think that that might help uh, I I love that scribble on the Apple Watch. It makes it every time I use it, it just makes me think back to the Palm Pilot. Did you guys used to spend hours to more than a healthy level that you perhaps should have done learning how to uh, do all the things and play that game? We had to write all the characters on the screen as they fell down. I don't remember that one. I must admit. What the Palm Pilot? Um, fancy schmancy handwriting because it couldn't do handwriting recognition, but it 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 could, but it couldn't. You had to write in a special way to do like letters. Um, so like an eighty. That's the one. Uh, okay. No, I never saw that. Oh, uh, yeah. That... They, I never, I never actually bothered to learn it because I never had a Palm Pilot. But it, it was in a lot of magazines, and it was a well, a simplified script wasn't it? So that the A was like basically had no cross stroke, so it would be like an inverted V. And the the B was like a, a W on its side um, in order to make the recognition easier. So you yeah, had to learn how to do this graffiti script if you wanted to uh, do transcription. And it, you could get up to a fair old rage, but I, I, if you remember back in the days when you had the old Nokia with the T9 text uh, entry thing, and after a while you could like not even be looking at your 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 um, the keypad to type a message. I'm almost at that stage now when I'm writing a message on my watch. I could be sort of like having a conversation and sending a sneaky message uh, using my watch at the same time. Well, therefore, this is going to be off to. So, at three hundred and fifty dollars, Levi is positioning the product as a simpler. I'm uh, sorry, as a pricier than normal jean jacket for cyclists who want to get map updates or change a song on Spotify while they're riding, or with taps and swipes on the sleeve. Google and Levi's hope. Levi's or Levi? Levi? With the no, Levi's. Yeah. Oh, okay. Hope to add more functions down the line, but right now it's pretty minor stuff. At the moment, you wouldn't be what you wouldn't be wrong to see this jacket as something like a Withings 
Active, which was nice looking, which was a nice looking wristwatch and just happened to do some lightweight fitness tracking. It doesn't sound like either they're going to be tackling these cyclists um, like you or myself, which probably wouldn't wear a jean jacket whilst on a bike because denim tends to get quite sweaty and it's not exactly known for its wicking away properties to keep you cool. Exactly. I think uh, looking at the website, there is sort of like a, a a swathe of materials that they've got um, options for. So whether that comes into something more fitness related, I mean, there's one thing to take away from it. It's certainly not one to be wearing in the bath, is it? (laughs) (laughs) And what you want is uh, lots of metal conductivity. So if you're caught in a shower or like most cyclists, if you have a water bottle and then I'm getting really sweaty, you're almost just asking to go, Oh, you know what I want? I want a little bit of a short just to keep, you know, give me a bit of a kick to go faster. (laughs) Now I, I wear a particular jacket for my dog walking, for example, and unless you're able to put this across, you know, multiple companies that do multiple different types of branding, whether it be sport or fashion, then I think you're a little bit limited. And you know, I mean, whether it can go into a suit jacket to help all of those productive people out there, and whether it can then be taken on by somebody like uh, Nike into some of their their sportswear, I mean. The possibilities there. It's just um it seems a little bit limited. I mean and it does allude to that at the end of the, the web page where it does say it's 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 limited at the moment, but the potential is there. It's almost kind of like a tech demo to sort of test the water to see who would um, be out there. Because you always start these things for like a premium brand, especially like um, Levi's. Uh, I'd I'd be tempted with it, I've gotta say. I'm not exactly sure what it would give me now over the my Apple Watch, other than just giving me a bit of a, a bigger touch area, which I suppose is what you're after. But I don't know, to wear a $350 watch and then a $350 jacket to carry around a $700 phone. Yeah, I would kind of, I would start to feel a little bit self-conscious if it was me. It's just saying, hi there, I have more money than I want, knew what to do with. Please mug me. There's also the possibility of um, sticking in some of the health sensors, maybe into the collar and cuffs. Maybe that's the sort of thing they could go to to then input everything into your health data without you having to really do any any effort at all. Yeah, I mean, especially if they could do that, especially for cyclists to take. I, I don't know if there is a, a way to actually measure perspiration for example, because that's something, re- you know, if you do a lot of cycling, that's something you've got to be very mindful of to keep your, your fluid levels up. Hopefully it will come um, come along. The only thing I saw here is that they are demoing it on an Android device, unfortunately, not an iPhone. So whether or not we'll see this on the iOS device with any um, official connectivity, we don't know. And plus it's going to be from Google, so it probably will only be Android for the foreseeable future for now. Right. Uh, what have we got next? Uh, I've lost the show notes. Uh, well, we've I done think, uh, we've got one from Iva here, which uh, is the hands-on Tag Hewer Connected Modular 45. Apparently, uh, the Android smartwatch you want. Yeah, looking at it, I mean, it's hard to tell by the pictures, but if what I'm seeing, which is these almost skeuomorphic uh, watch faces, they they look fantastic. They look you you could almost if you if you really were allowed to tag who could could produce all of their historical watches just as a as a watch face, and you know you could you could change it on a daily basis. 
also there seems to be what they're calling the modularity. There's there's various different uh, coloured bezels. Um, all of the straps seem to have segments that you can choose various colours and materials from. Um, it's just the the cost, obviously, is is yes. quite ridiculous. <laughs> um, you know. I think it's a it's a nice looking watch. It's not something I've ever bought in my life. I, I normally go for anything I can possibly get that's that's tough and cheap. Um, obviously, the Apple Watch was something I've always been waiting for. I I tended to um to I think I started off with the Pebble when that came out on Kickstarter, and then there was another one called the Hot Watch, and the Hot Watch was a a, a follow up to the Pebble by a different company, where they had a uh, a microphone in the strap. So what you would do is you would say, for example, you were taking a call, you would just the motion of lifting your hand. And as you're lifting it, cupping your, your, your hand to your ear would force the audio from the, uh, from the watch into your ear and create a sort of like a, a directional flow for that sound to, to end up in this, in, in this, and the, and the calls were fantastic. They were really good. Um, unfortunately mine did get a little bit wet and that, that put pay to it, but it was quite a nice concept. It, it wasn't the best. It was, um, still a little bit work in progress when it turned up, but it was a, it was a nice concept. Uh, but then, you know, something like this one, the cost of it is, is, is only for the few, isn't it really? But, uh, I think it's a nice yeah, looking I mean, watch. That, it looks like a nice watch. Um, I have to say, I mean, they say here it's uh, Android Wear 2. Um, yeah, there's apparently 40, uh, what was it, 4,000 combinations available. Um, and you can also get a mechanical module compatible with all of the straps and lugs. Uh, there will be several mechanical module options, including a COSC certified chronometer and a tourbillon which will set you back about 14 grand. Nice. I'll have three. Um, you know, one for the week, one for the weekend and a spare. And uh, the, but the smartwatch itself um, is 1,400 pounds. So that's not ridiculous, is it? Well, it's not ridiculous, but. It's it's not. I mean, it's, it's interesting the fact that Apple goes ahead and release a, uh, a rose gold watch for, a horrendous amount of money. It's like, oh my god, Apple are doomed. It'll never sell. And Tag Heuer or Tag Heuer. Oh, this is the Reuter and Reuters thing again. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> there's going to be one for sale that's fourteen thousand pounds, and it's it's always interesting to see that a tech company makes a watch that's quite expensive. Well, that's the end of the world. A watch company makes an expensive watch, and it's like, oh. Well, that's okay. Um, just coming back to your thing about making phone calls, have you ever made a phone call on your Apple Watch there, uh, Ivor? I have. I do it very rarely because um, it, I'm on the original uh, model and it's just not quite loud enough for me to, to sort of hear what's going on. But interestingly, uh, I work in a place called the Cardings and Hangers over in Bedfordshire. I mean, they're enormous. And there's one day where I was running out of battery on my phone so i went and charged it up left it in the office by mistake while it was charging and then i found myself needing to contact one of the lads about um having a tea break so i thought oh i haven't got my phone on him i was going to give him a quick text and then i thought well looked at my watch the the um the bit in the top that tells you whether you're connected or not told me i was still connected to my phone and i managed to call him from the other side of the hangar so it was relaying all the way to his phone from mine 
and uh, you know gave him an update on on what time we were going to have a tea break this day, and uh, it was it was quite successful, but only in a sort of like a quiet surroundings, anything busy, and I, I just can't hear it. Kudos for the one time you've made a call on your Apple Watch was for a tea break. That deserves a celebration in itself. <laughs> it was uh, it's very clever stuff. Um, the other thing that I liked about it is this one day I had my girlfriend calling me and I was working under this airship and I was absolutely covered in grease. And I managed to take the call by pressing the button with my nose, had the conversation, then covered it with my sleeve to to stop the call. And it was it was seamless. It was fantastic. <laughs> oh, I'm I'm laughing because I've been there as well. Because I've been it's been that thing where I've had like shopping bags, or I've just had my hands busy, and you've had to like use your nose to perform a gesture. I wonder if they're going to do that on the Nike jacket. But then again, if you're like out cycling and it's a particularly hot day, and the um, uh, the mucus likes to escape at times, I think is the yeah. best way to put it. Yeah, how is it going to handle that gesture? I was just looking at the uh, the specs on this this watch. Um, I mean, it's saying it's an AMOLED screen, but there's GPS and Wi-Fi on board. Um, the only thing it doesn't have is 4G or a heart rate sensor, which is unusual because I thought that was in pretty much everything that was strapped to your wrist these days. But so it's 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 not set for being any form of running watch, which I think is a bit of a of a negative really yeah you, you, i mean but the the argument there is oh everyone keeps going oh well you know the apple watch your heart rate sensor isn't that accurate and maybe it is maybe it isn't but what i find with things like that myself i don't know what your opinion is, is that it's only ever really a guide you know even if it's wildly inaccurate uh let's say it measures your heart rate um too much at least when you get fitter it's still going to give you the wrong information but you're still going to see an improvement in your heart rate like for example uh last <clears throat> excuse me the, the reason i was late last week is because i went for a cycle uh, and i could see that my heart rate was way way over what it should be but then i looked back on the similar route when i was at similar fitness and it was about um, spawn. That's also why the show was late last week because I crashed after an hour, and what took me an hour to get up took me an hour and a half to get back, and I was a broken, broken person. I know that feeling. That's well, so, that you and you that. had a puncture. Yeah, the first ride out in the sea. This is why I ride indoors to be even more antisocial. It, I don't know. There's like with any device like this, you know, we're going to sit here and go. You know, there's going to be people that are going to sit here and go. It's too expensive, but there's always someone out there who's got enough money to buy something like this. And there's obviously a market. It's not the smallest watch in the world, though, is it? It's forty. 40- no, it's not. Forty-five millimeters across. Um, and by the look of that photograph, I should say that's a good seven mil thick. Oh, I love this. You can on the wrist job, isn't it? I love, I love this comment. <clears throat> now, bearing in mind, and I keep beating this drum about, you know, wanting the press to be fair, which is never going to happen. The watch measures 45 millimetres in diameter. It's pretty chunky and certainly not suited to smaller wrists. But if you're fond of oversized watches, like us, this will be right up your street. So all the criticism the Apple Watch gets of being quite a chunky little beast... Oh, that's all right. We all like chunky watches now. But that strap does just look tacky and awful. That just does not look good. The one they've got there, that that nasty orange thing, yeah, that looks pretty horrible, doesn't it? What, uh, but, watch, um, 
What strap are you going uh, there with, Ivor? Are you, are you still on the sports one, or have you gone uh, Amazon third-party to buy some? I have gone for an Amazon third-party Nike uh, band in the black and grey, and it's fantastic. Absolutely. I mean, the quality is brilliant. Oh, fantastic. I went for a Milanese one, uh, and it's not bad, but you can just tell now, because uh, I've been using it for swimming, which I know you shouldn't do, and it's been on my wrist for ages now the actual um paint started coming off it so if you could put that in the quip document and then we will share that with the slack room and everywhere else on on the website and all that sort of stuff uh so people can have a look and i'll do the same with mine as well okay i think mine might not uh i think i have to find another producer it was off of amazon but um it says this this item is no longer available but there's there's loads of them that's probably because Nike found them and sent them a cease and desist. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Please stop copying our band. Um, and for what it's worth, Tag also announced a smaller unisex model will be released in October, measuring 39.5 millimetres. <laughs> Sounds very much like, well, we're kind of waiting for technology to catch up with what we want to do, uh, and then we'll, well go from there. You know, that, that sort of... Um, chronometer divers watch piloty type style it, it making them really big and really chunky is you know quite a fashion thing at the moment they seem to be um, you know it seems to be quite a popular style which smart watches are using to their advantage i think um I'm not a huge I, you know I'm not the biggest man in the world and I've not got the biggest wrists so you know, a thing that looks like a, a tuna can is not really going to suit me. Um, <laughs> tuna can. It was like the, um, what was it called? The Moto 360 or something, whatever that first mm. smartwatch was. That was huge, wasn't it? It just looked ridiculous. Yeah, I think that's where it came from. I think it might have been John Gruber who coined it. Looks like a t- tuna can on his wrist. But um, be that as it may, uh, you know, I... Well, that said, you know, I do currently wear uh, one of those old iPod Nanos as a wristwatch, the little square one. That oh, yeah. The same size as a, as the, um, which one is it, the shuffle? Yeah, I know the one you mean. The little square one, I think it's about 42 mil, something like that. So probably, you know. Um, I was I almost that. on the verge of getting one of those uh, until the Apple Watch started coming in because I thought I, it's that whole thing about going running. I'm really, just really not keen on taking my iPhone with me. And I thought, oh, yeah, this will be all right. I can, you know, go out with something like that. But then the Apple Watch came along. Uh, right, what have we got? Uh, well, we are going. How far have we gone into this debauchery? One hour, four minutes. Right, we'll do... One more story, I think. Should we tackle the Apple TV fifth generation? Why not? Take it away, man. Right, so the Apple TV fifth generation 2017 has apparently been leaked. I say apparently because I put this story up, I skim read it, and I... My fault. And apparently 4K streaming support is going to be uh, expected. Noticed it went from leaked to expected. 
So this is more about iOS 11 and the actual specs of the Apple TV. According to games developer Theory Games, it has identified an unknown device that tried to connect to one of its servers. The, the said device has the device number Apple TV 6,2. Theory Games also mentioned that the said device tried to connect to the Phoenix HD game for the Apple TV and that it was running an unreleased version of iOS 10. Sorry, uh, sorry, TVOS 11. Furthermore, the report said the IP address is said to have been that within the Cupertino range and linked to one of their servers. You'd have to be... There's something fishy about this. Because if you're a games developer and you've got, you know, quite a few hundreds of devices hitting your servers and all this sort of stuff, how would they have flagged this up, I wonder? Mm, I guess if you, I guess if you're interested in that sort of thing, it's probably not difficult to have a script that that, that identifies anything unusual, you know, no. anything outside the normal range. I mean, if if that shows up as Apple TV six comma two, and uh, I don't know what the common what's what they're on now five three or whatever it is, then um, I guess it probably wouldn't be too hard to have a script that flags that up. Yeah, possibly. It just seems a little bit fishy. But then the, the I should have read the blimmin' article before I posted it. I, I, lo- I love the fact, as a host of this show, I'm the letdown with the weakest story of the week. Uh, apparently, uh, from other log entries and other log sources, Apple TV will finally include support for 4K streaming. And, while, uh, and again, this is where I wish I'd read the story. Well, Apple has already given up on its own streaming service. Has it? No, well, has it? Yeah, exactly. Does that <laughs> uh, it seems the hardware itself is very much alive. I still, I love my Apple TV, and I've realised this week I probably watch more YouTube than terrestrial telly, but I still think that they had a missed opportunity by bundling a controller in with the Apple TV. It could have really gone up to a new level in terms of the sort of games that are coming out rather than pressing hold of buttons to move up and down or swipe left, swipe right to avoid things. That just all seems to be what's on the on the Apple TV store at the moment. And I really wish if they had sort of done a deal, they'd put a bundled controller in. But then again, Apple really just doesn't seem to care about games, even though that's what makes most of their money in the iOS store, I would imagine. The remote is very, um, very limited, isn't it, for for that sort of thing? And it's a shame yeah. because it's the potential is there. I mean, when you keep seeing all these these games popping up, the ones you've already downloaded on your phone, you get a little bit excited, and then all of a sudden you you realise that the controller method is it's just not even fun. You end up with you know aching thumbs and all that sort of stuff from it. Plus, you know, anytime you look at that remote control, it does something to your TV you don't want it to. I love the fact that there's some days where I'm getting from work, I'm absolutely knackered. You can sit down, you pull the you know you pull the blanket over your knees like an old man with a cup of cocoa, and you sit there and you go, right, let's watch a bit of Apple TV, and you're all set and you're ready and you're all relaxed. You're thinking, ah, oh, been a long day, got my slippers on. You pick up the Apple TV remote, which I don't know about you either. I've never picked mine up the right way. I always get <laughs> no, it's always upside down. Absolutely impossible. And so you're there and you sat down and you're nice and cosy. You press the button on your Apple TV thinking, right, it will wake up the TV and off we go. 
And it's that one time where you sat down and you're all comfortable and it just turns on the TV to the wrong input. Every- <laughs> See, and I, I use um, the, I think it's called the Harmony Plus. Uh, I went for the cheapest option, which was the, the sort of the hub plus the opportunity to use a um, iOS app. And I love it. I, I know people don't get on with it sometimes and there is the odd occasion where it doesn't do all of the inputs correctly, but there is a, a little button you can press and it just says fix say for example i've called mine apple tv fix apple tv and it'll come up with the things that it should have done and then you chose the choose the one it hasn't done and then generally it just cycles through them and everything appears on the screen i think i um i bought it with a load of vouchers i ended up with on amazon i think it cost me 99 pounds or something but it's been fantastic i come into the house single button press my amp tv apple tv everything switches on anything that was originally on gets switched off and it's fantastic. That with um, with Plex on the Apple TV is is all I do these days. Me and the girlfriend just constant Plex watches. Yep, I'm with you on that one. Um, we, we'll have a chat off the air about how we tweak our Plex setups. Do you come back to the um, to the Harmony? Can you get um, little stands for them? Because if you can get one made out of wood, you could call it the Ebony, and then you could have Ebony and Harmony. All that setup just to use the same board. Oh, oh, right, yeah, let's um yeah, let's move on. <laughs> right, where are we up to next? Oh blimey. Uh, welcome to the train wreck either. Well, I'm surprised you didn't actually go for the um the ebony and ivory. <laughs> You can have one of them, sir. You can have one of them. Oh, jeez. Maybe I didn't go for it because maybe it was too obvious, he says in hindsight. As I've been alluding to in this show today, our Slack room has been fairly busy. And picking up from last week, one of our very own people in the Slack room, Mac Jim, decided to take a trip to Weatherspoons in review the Weatherspoons app review. So thank you very much for sending this in. And I'm going to try my best not to butcher this with my absolutely poor reading skills this week. I've had the Weatherspoon app on my iPhone 7 Plus for some time now, but I've never got around to using it in anger. Either I've not needed to use it or I've not been in an establishment that the service was available to use in. So today I decided to break my journey home from work and eat out. On entering the Karen Shore in Falkirk, I found an available table, sat down and fired up the app to begin. If you haven't previously set a favourite pub, you would need to find the place you're in in the pub list and add it to my favourite pubs. Then you can browse the app menu and choose what you'd like to eat or drink or both. Items not available are scored through and backlit in a pale grey and can't be selected. This is a good feature as I've experienced many occasions where I've ordered and paid for a meal only to be told a short time later it's out of stock. Options need to be selected or deselected before you can continue to. The option to have a curry sauce with my fish and chips, why you'd want that is quite beyond me, but there you go, can be selected or not. Choose the quantity, then add it to the purchase basket and move on to the next item. When you're ready, enter a table number and then place your order. The options for how you can pay are quite good, and on this occasion I opted to pay with Apple Pay. Scan my finger and done. The speed of delivery will depend on how busy the establishment is at the time of order, but my two pints of beer arrive promptly and the food not much longer after. 
There are a few problems that I could see happening to sour the experience depending on where you use the app or just saunter up to the counter in the tried and tested way of old. Ordering the bar could be quick or extremely slow. That's down to how busy it is and how many staff are on duty as well. You do see a human being, some are pretty too, and you also have a wee bit of banter with them as they deal with you. You can also make sure the pint of beer is correct too, either by having a wee taster or to have it topped up if the head is too big. This you can't do when you sit down and order through the app. The best thing, though, is that when you're on your own and in need of food and a drink, finding a table that's free and being sure you still have it after being up to the bar to order can be tough. So the app means you can just sit down, browse the menu and place your food and drink order, pay and await it being delivered to you. Where I do see its use is for those who are unable to stand in a queue, either due to poor health or disability, as this will mean they can find the table and be served hassle-free. On this occasion, I can honestly say it was a 90% success. Well, the apple was a 100% success, as it was just a minor problem of the mushy peas not being hot. His recommendation? Give it a try. And again, thank you very much, Mac Jim. I might even go and give it a test run myself and take some video footage of it as well. And if you want to be involved with the show, you can get hold of us at Essential Apple on the Twitter or go to EssentialApple.com in any one of them, their modern internet browsery type things. I hadn't considered the thing about if you have got too much head or not, you would, uh, yeah, what can you do? Would you actually make the person? So here's a question for you then. If you were, if you use this app, you're sat at a table and you've, had, you've got a little bit too much head, would you make the person walk all the way back from the table to go and top it up and make them walk back? Or would you do the traditionally British thing of whenever they come over and ask, is, you, is everything okay for you? You always say, yeah, it's fine. Thank you. Ivor? Traditionally British way for me. Simon? Uh, well, I used to do the traditionally British way, but I have to admit that I've been in too many of these chain type uh, pub food restaurants where I've been treated appallingly. So um, I've learned now if they bring my steak and it's burnt or it's raw or it's cold or took 45 minutes to appear, I kick off. So, yeah, I'm afraid these days I kick off. (laughs) Well, this brings us up to a follow-up question. Uh, How does everyone have their steak? I'm a medium rare. Ivor? I'm a medium to well done. Oh, you might as well just have a pork chop, man. (laughs) (laughs) medium rare for me yes definitely i think we're the only podcast that can probably say that we've uh, quizzed our we've berated a guest because of their steak Uh, (laughs) i i i haven't worked up the courage to try it but i do agree there is one point i hadn't considered is that when it's busy you have to get up from your table and go in order, which isn't a problem, but you don't want to leave your coat there because some scrote will nick it and that's normally got your phone or something in there. Uh, So yeah, that's a very good idea. I'm going to give that a go on next payday. It did cause me to actually look up to find out where my nearest Weatherspoons was uh, just before the show. Oh God, we're starting something now. Uh, Monday is, I believe, Mexican night. Tuesday is steak night. Wednesday's chicken night. Thursday is curry night. And I don't go into town on a Thursday or Friday because it's just full of idiots. Let's keep things positive. Uh, We've got another one here. Um, This is from Dougie in Slack. Simon, do you want to run over this one? This is about ad nauseum, a ad blocker slash... Obfuscator? Would that be right? Uh, yes. The 
Dougie turned this one up. It's uh, from a company, uh, adnauseum.io, um, and they have a product called Adnauseum, which is a browser extension, um, which is apparently available for Chrome, but banned by Google, Firefox, and Opera. Uh, I'm not quite sure how it's available on Chrome, but banned by Google. I assume that means you can't install it directly from within the uh, Chrome extensions. You have to download it from their website and sideload it, I guess. But uh, its point is to obfuscate your uh, your behavior by automatically clicking all ads which are presented to you uh the ads are blocked but this uh this ad nauseum effectively returns a 100 response rate a 100 percent response rate to everything presented to you thus making attempting to track you meaningless because your history just says that you click yes on everything um interesting I have a slight problem with it in that part of the reason some of us use, uh, you know, apps like Crystal or uh, Adblock Pro is not only to protect our privacy, but also to stop these endless trackers and adverts from stealing our battery life and our bandwidth. But uh, as a concept, I, I you know, I kind of get the idea. The idea is if everybody clicks yes on everything all the time, then your tracking data becomes meaningless because it's just noise. Yeah, I'm, I don't know. I've got mixed feelings about this one. I kind of see what it's aiming to do, but I wonder what the negative side effect of this is, is going to be. Uh, I, it always not freaks me out, but I get blind to adverts. So, for example, I was looking to do some uh, production work and I, I searched for a particular you know, company and I placed an order with them. And now when I'm on some websites like Facebook or just generally browsing, I only get to see their adverts. Uh, and uh, it, I don't mind as much, but I only get to see them or their competitors. So they're the obvious major two that I was you know, spending all the money on AdWords. What um have you had to look at this one either? Have you had any thoughts on it? Do you do ad blocking or do you go for the pure browsing experience? I don't do any ad blocking on my laptop, but I have done it on the phone because I'm just fed up with you know these these ads that just seem to cover the screen or hide the little X to get you know to get you past it. Um, I just wonder what is going to happen. I mean, I do a lot of shopping on Amazon. And they normally tell me what I've just bought on the on the, the side uh, ads, and I wonder if my whole screen is going to be covered with all of the ads that the, this app has clicked on, rather than just the, the few that I am actually interested in. Um, I don't know how it will work. I I think it's quite a, a good idea. It's worth um, it's worth a trial, but uh, yeah, ads just frustrate me completely. Yep. Like, that's that's the sort of thing that I'm worried about because in work, you know, we don't have um, ad blockers, but we can reg log in with our Google account, which just seems to be a bit bonkers. So it, I kind of I wish I would understand more about the the net effect result. I see what it's trying to do, but maybe I don't sort of trust 
maybe trust the advertising companies, which I know is a stupid statement. I don't know what effect it would have to me overall, but I suppose it would be good if you were you know, the other tin hat brigade and you just want to cause a bit of anarchy and, you know, what can they track from me? Well, I've purchased this from this company and I ordered this process from this company, but now it just becomes in a wall of noise. So as a person, they can't get any meaningful data out of me. So maybe it's like anti-establishment to say, right, you want to sell my stuff? You want to sell all my history to someone? Here you go. Have it all. I've clicked on every single advert you've ever given me. Try and profile me now. Yeah, I think that is that is its, you know, that is its purpose. And that is how it's designed to work. Um, and maybe on the desktop, maybe you're not so bothered, but for me, one of the big benefits of using Crystal and uh, Adblock Pro and Ghostery and all these other things is that you can say, block all these trackers from sucking up my my bandwidth. How do the um, these ad companies actually get, you know, say, for example, I mean, I don't click on ads, but they're obviously on the screen. So are they getting paid just from a view from that page? And, I mean, this, this device seems to be almost clicking every, um, every ad. Yeah, there is, there is also that, isn't there? Because, yeah, I believe that ad companies get, get paid by the ads that are clicked on. Um, it, it, it's so, more of a mixture of everything. It, like, for example, if you use Google and you search for a particular product and then let's say you click through to Amazon to buy that product, Google sort of has enough data about, okay, so you've been searching for, let's say, light bulbs and you've searched for many light bulbs and then you've clicked through to Amazon to buy a light bulb. Well, it's sort of build up, it's built up a profile from your browsing and from your searching and from cookies and all that sort of funky little stuff to start, uh, as Google will say, tailoring your Google experience for the, your you know, f- to for your oh, what's your not preference profile? Uh, yeah, for your to, benefit. Yeah, yeah personalize right. it. It personalizes um, a few. I, I I think what I was asking is what is the result of, of clicking? Because of course, if you don't click on any ads, as I understand it, the way it works is that the advertiser has to pay the advertising company for every time an ad gets clicked. So if you're clicking if you're clicking on every single ad then that the 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 company who want to uh, whose ad it is let's say Adidas they are getting charged for your click and the only people who are going to make a lot the the the, the net effect I suppose the negative net effect is in fact that the advertising uh suppliers the people who pipe this stuff onto websites are going to get a lot more money on the other on on the other on the upside what you could say is even if you're blocking all the ads every website you visit will see a return because you've clicked clicked every ad on their site so that the actual website will get their an increase in their income from the ad providers yeah, I mean, when you, I mean, I do a little bit of Google AdWords advertising, and basically, uh, to give a very, very simplified version of it, you basically pay 
um, for your adverts to be displayed when certain keywords are entered. So all those little graphical banners, somebody somewhere is paying something to Google for those banners to go up on. So you, you are technically, you if you're clicking on every single advert, bearing in mind you can have an advert on Google from as little as 1p or like 10 cents, I think it is, up to pounds upon pounds upon pounds, as I found out when I did a testing forgot to put a decimal point in the right place that was an expensive afternoon so yeah so maybe again that would be another point there that if it is clicking on all the adverts and you're not seeing it behind the scenes i do wonder what it does in terms of performance because if it's clicking on them does that mean it's running the adverts in the background or i wonder what sort of hit that takes on a system so that'll be interesting to find out i I mean it says it says that it's using uBlock to block the ad. So I don't know if it's if it's using some kind of you know in as it blocks the ads from actually displaying. It returns a yes, I clicked on you kind of uh, message. I don't know. I suppose the only other thing I've got on this is that the website does look a little bit. 80s 90s it kind of that's the only reason i haven't installed it and i know looks aren't everything i mean christ i've looked like i've fallen out of the ugly tube my face on fire and it was put out with a cricket bat but still you kind of wish it wasn't sort of so geo cities based in terms of um it, it it's let's just say it's not what you'd call slick is it no no. Especially um, the also, animated course, so say, not It's only available for uh, Chrome, Firefox, and Opera. Not that there's a wrong with any of those browsers, but they're not my browsers of choice. So that kind of rules me out. That's, um, just going on a side note here, if anyone out there is using Chrome and you haven't got it to set to auto-update, the latest version, version 57, uh, it now pauses background tabs. So, And I didn't know it didn't do this for a start. So basically, if you've got loads of tabs running and it's got adverts or flash stuff or if it's running some heavy JavaScript, when you click off that tab, it will now pause that tab process. Uh, and it's made a big, big difference to my work laptop. Right, uh, that's all of the news. So he says, trying to fill in time yet again to find the four-button desktop. There is it gone. There we are. Uh, Let's move on to something a bit different, shall we? You can tell I'm so happy to have the same board back. Uh, let's go on to Worth a Chirp or this week's app session, which it will be called when I can work out uh, a sound clip for it. Uh, right. I'll tell you what. We will start with... Um, let's go with Dougie in the Slack room. It's the port fast charge with USB data block, USB adapter with smart charge chip, a pack of two. Uh, he's been using these USB condoms to protect his devices when plugging them into chargers and computers to charge recharge them. This basically stops the computer or the device from seeing it and trying to connect to it for data transfer. So good for security and to protect your devices. Only one left on Amazon and when he checked the price before the show. I've looked at these and I'm tempted because yes, if I could plug my um if I could plug my phone in and just get it to charge and not have Windows 10 or the Mac say, oh what do you want to do with this device? Leave it alone. That would be good. 
Uh, right, Ivor, you've got a uh, an obsession for us this week. Um, take it away. Yeah, okay. So I am heavily at work into productivity, and up to now I've been using um, OmniFocus. Um, unfortunately, OmniFocus is it's a fantastic app for me, but once that item that I am supposed to have completed goes past, it doesn't remind me other than just a you know just a, a marker up in the corner of the screen. So I found an app, and I think it was through the um, – I can't remember the name of the podcast I was listening to. Anyway, the hosts on there were talking about an app called Dew, and it's D-U-E. And the idea with this app is you enter something in that, that needs to have your attention in the next couple of hours or coming weeks. And when that comes up, it gives you a notification and then it will notify you every five minutes until you do something about it. So what I tend to do is is put my projects into OmniFocus and then anything that I desperately need to do day by day or or knowing that I've got to achieve within the next hour or so, I let it bug me until it's actually done. Um, it's got a very nice interface where you've got that, uh, I can't remember what, what they call it, but you know where... Um, Say, for example, it says, well, let's go back to the tea break. Tea break in um, today at three o'clock, and it will automatically extract all that data into putting a reminder in for you at three o'clock to have your tea break. Um, the way you deal with those notifications as they come up is also pretty good. You can just click on it, and it comes up with a sort of uh, sort of a bar that says one hour, uh, add one hour. Add, um, I think it's add 10 minutes, add one hour, add one day. And then underneath it says minus 10 minutes, minus an hour, and minus a day. So if it's something that I just am not going to get to that day, I just um, open it up, click on an extra day, and it will remind me the same time tomorrow. Or you can just keep pressing the um, the add 10 minutes and add 40 minutes to it. It's uh, It's a good way of bugging me because... Life is incredibly busy at work, and I just find it a, a perfect way to to capture all the things that I need to get done. It sounds like a reminder with a like what a like like me in the morning. You just get up and just keep hitting the snooze button. Yeah, it's um, it's the reminder app that is almost like your uh, your wedding ring on your finger. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I wonder if your other half is going to be listening to this podcast. He said that, not us. We take no responsibility. Um, that's not a little bad app, actually. And it's got a native iPad app, which is good to see. It's not just a blown up um, iPhone app. It's four ninety nine in the App Store. Uh, and there is... Oh, that's nice to see. If you have the version one of Dew, you can actually do an in-app purchase to upgrade from... T- so that's nice to see that and maybe one day uh, Apple will uh, let us do in-place upgrades. Thanks very much. Um, did you have one more? I think you did. Or was that the only one? Um, yes. Hang on one second. I've got some. Uh, I tend, well, first of all, I think Slack is absolutely incredible. I've just started using that at work and it's it's been so useful for getting information out to multiple people that I can just um you know choose a choose a group. That's fantastic. But I'm not sure whether you've covered this in the past, but um I've been using a, an app for a couple of years now, I think it is. It's called Be My Eyes. Have you heard of this one? So the idea no. about it is a company has um recognized that partially sighted or blind people 
struggle to do the, the, the normal things in, in life. And you open up this app, and the first thing it asks you is whether you're sighted or um, have, have difficulties seeing. And then it tailors your app to whichever camp you fall into. So on the odd occasion, my uh, phone will contact me as if I'm having a, a call. And it says, uh, swipe, it's uh, be my eyes. And I have a partially sighted or blind person on the end of the phone um, as, a, as a video image. And that person can ask me, uh, I have had recently, for example, which flavor pot, uh, pot noodle are they looking at? Um, what uh, banknote is in their hand at the time? And somebody was asking me to read out some ingredients on, the, on a tin in a supermarket. Uh, so it comes up, they appear on the screen, they ask you the, the request they've got. You help them out by being able to read it over, you know, through their phone camera lens, uh, relay the information to them. And, um, they normally say, thank you very much. And, and you hang up and it's, it, it's a, it's a feel good for helping people out. And, you know, there's, there's tens of thousands of people across the world that have, uh, have got this app installed on their phone. And if you miss it, it's going to get picked up by somebody else. Or if you take it, there is the odd occasion where um, it's been a bit pixelated and I've not been able to help. Uh, for example, the banknote one, I could tell that it was a £10 note because it was mostly brown. But, um, you know, the odd occasion, it's, it's too pixelated to help and you just uh, apologise and, and carry on. And I just think it's a quite a refreshing idea. And I jumped on it pretty quick. Well, that sounds, that sounds really good. I, I, I'm actually inspired to, um, yeah, I'm going to go have a look at that myself. That sounds, it sounds like a really, like you said, you, you nailed it. It's, it's a very good, feel good way just to put something, you know, back into the world. And my, my initial worry was straight away is, oh, you know, but what happens if I'm at work and I can't take the call? And is that going to be, you know, the end of the world for someone? Uh, but no. Well, that's, yeah, that's uh, that's very good. I will, yeah, that will be in the show notes over at essentialapple.com. So excellent. Two very good suggestions. Thank you. Simon, what about yourself? What have you got for us this week? Uh, well, not anything particularly new as such, but uh, Audacity has now added um, uh, a slew of AU effects, which are um, dynamic. Whereas previously, if you wanted to add an effect in uh, Audacity, you'd have to select the section of uh, audio you wanted to apply it to, make your settings, press the preview button, and listen to the effect. And then if you weren't happy with it, um, go back and adjust the settings and preview again and so on. But they've added these new dynamic ones where you can actually play your audio and adjust the filter uh, in real time so that you can hear what effect it's actually having. And then when you're happy with the settings, you can then obviously apply it, which uh, is very helpful, obviously. And uh, I'm very pleased to have it. So that's that's my uh, bonus of the week, really. Excellent. Okay, thanks very much for that. Um, I'm going to give that a try. In fact, I do use Audacity for a bit of the uh, bit of the podcast. So, my app is nothing unique because Lloyd's used to do this, but as I don't bank with Lloyd's anymore, this takes over from it. Now, this is an app which 
invest your spare change. Now, rather than me going ahead and waffling my way through on telling you what this does, I'm going to play some audio and I'm going to let the amp developers themselves tell you all about it. You may remember putting coins into a piggy bank as a child as a way of saving up towards something that was important to you. Moneybox is a modern day equivalent that allows you to save and invest your spare change all from your mobile phone. The way we do this is through roundups. So when you buy your morning coffee for £1.80, you can round up to the nearest pound and set aside the 20 pence change. Getting started with roundups is simple. All you need to do is connect a bank account or credit card using your online login details. Once this is connected, you'll start to see your purchases appear in the app. You can swipe right on a purchase to round it up or left to ignore it. When you round up a purchase, the amount is recorded and shown in your savings total. Once a week, your savings are collected via direct debit and then invested a few days later. If you don't swipe left or right on your purchases, they'll automatically be rounded up after 48 hours. And you can turn off this auto roundup feature at any time. The typical Moneybox user makes about 30 transactions per week with an average roundup of 28 pence. This adds up to £8.40 a week or £440 a year just by saving your spare change. Now, there is a subscription fee. Now, the first three months are free, and then after that is £1 per month. There's a platform fee, which is 75p. I don't know what that is. That means the fee paid to the people who own the app is £1.75. If you then, there's something called fund, fund provider fees, which is 38p, and then the total fees would be £2.13. Basically, it's going to cost you 1.28% of what you save in terms of fees, which I don't think is too bad. Maybe. I don't know. It's an interesting app. I'm going to give it a spin for a few weeks and then see how much, uh, see what happens. So there we are. Some financial advice from a show that really shouldn't be dishing out any financial advice. Or any advice at all, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, you know what? How long have we been going for? Uh, I've really I've really enjoyed this episode. I've got to say, it's yes. less, less uh, stressed than it was last week. Well. So where is the screen? Handy hint for you, Ivor. You know you were asking me about podcasts before the show. Uh, yeah. Don't go with four workspaces. It just doesn't work. And we're at one hour 40. Right. So let's call it a day then, chaps. Uh, both of you, thank you ever so much for coming on, especially you, Ivor. You just sort of, we put a random call out in the chat room and you say, yeah, you'll have a, a go uh, coming on the show. If people want to get a hold of you, if you've got a website, a Twitter, a Facebook, or a, whoa, I don't know, a Bebo or a MySpace, if someone wants to get a hold of you in whatever way they want, how could they get a hold of you? And that's if you want them to. How can they do it? So the only one I have really that I could suppose hand out is uh, is at Ivor Pope on Twitter. Although Twitter, Facebook, and all of those are consumption for me, I don't tend to uh, tweet that much. Um, or Facebook, Facebook is generally sharing videos that I I enjoy. Um, but other than that, if you in the Bedfordshire area, eyes to the skies over the next um, month or so, and hopefully you'll see the Airlander taking off because that's what we're aiming for. That's uh, that's where all my my passion and hard work is going towards. So um, yes, I'm more than happy for people to contact me on Twitter. But uh, yeah, well, I've really enjoyed it. 
really appreciate you letting me on. Um, thank you very much. Yeah, no, the pleasure's been all ours. You are welcome back any time, I think it's fair to say. Simon, if they want to get hold of you, how can they do that? Well, of course, as usual, it's best to reach out to me on Twitter, and I'm at Serenak. That's S-E-R-E-N-A-K. And, of course, you can get hold of me on the EssentialApple.com website, which now has a contact route form, which I can't believe I didn't test it wasn't working and again that was thanks to our slack people if you want to get an invitation to our slack channel get a hold of us you get a hold of this website via at essential apple on the twitter or go over to essentialapple.com. if you want to follow me and see just how madly i'm trying to kill myself trying to get in some shape for any of the events that i've got coming up soon me personally i'm at ocean speed We've got the Facebook, we've got the Twitter, we've got Google+, uh, and a huge shout-out to all of those in the Slack room, which we've been mentioning a lot, because it really has just been uh, a good crack, I think is the best to say. And of course, we do have the Patreon channel, and thank you ever so much for you Patreon people. Your donations are going into the show to make it a little bit better behind the scenes, uh, and there are some changes coming soon as well. Now, normally, we just say cheerio, but instead of that, we're recording the day after that a legendary guitarist passed away, and that, of course, is Chuck Berry. So, we're going to end the show with a bit of Chuck. Cheerio, everyone. Cheerio. Goodbye.